let's lock and load, jump into things here. Well, my, my direction went a little different than I thought it was going to go in some ways in first service, so we'll see which pathway the Lord takes us on this. I suspect it'll probably be similar to what happened in first. If you want to go with me to Luke 24, 49. Again, this has been our core text for this entire fall season. And uh, I always like starting there. I know for some of you it is repetition. You can now quote it along with me, but that's a good thing. But even with some of our guests and people maybe are just joining us, I always like to try and quickly bring you up to speed of what the, the heart of this season has been. And Luke 24, 49 says this, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And so what we've really been building off of for this fall season is simply this. Number one, promises. Everybody say promises. We've been talking about the promises of God over us as a church family, the promises over us corporately, the promises over each one of your lives individually. Well, we've been talking about the prophetic words that have been spoken and really wanting to lean in and steward. And that's a season, I believe, where God wants to see promises come to pass. It's a season also where there's some very prophetic, powerful prophetic words of what God wants to do. But because of that, we've recognized there's these promises, we've recognized there's the prophetic, but we've recognized that we need power. Everybody say power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I do not have what it takes to make any of this happen. We don't have the ability, we don't have the strength, we don't have the wisdom, we're not strong enough, we're not cool enough, we're not anything enough. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's why we've talked about this whole concept of waiting on God or tearing in the city of Jerusalem. Everybody say, wait on God. And so we've talked about how we need to wait on God, we need to tarry on Him, we need to be before Him because that's when we walk in the power. And I, I really want to encourage you, it's not just about this season, this has been an emphasis of season, but this is a pattern for your life. It's recognizing the promises of God, recognizing what God has said, recognizing we need His power, not depending on our own strength, our own ability. You know, if you kind of go King James Version back in the day, they talk about depending on the arm of the flesh. Right? So you're like, what's that talk about? It's, it's your own strength. It's your own ability. And I'll bet you it's so easy for me to start depending on my own strength without even realizing it. But it's us learning to wait on and depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we've been in a number of different passages. We've talked about a number of different contexts over the last number of months. Um, the last little while, we spent some time in Acts chapter 2. We spent some time a couple weeks ago talking about the importance of unity and community. Everybody say unity and community. And if I can encourage you, let's keep leaning into that word. There's lots of growth. There's lots of things that are happening. We have to be intentional about building relationships with each other. We have to be intentional about unity and community. We have to fight for it. You know, so we're trying to do little things. So, for example, we go out here today. We got some free tea, free coffee. Stay for 15 minutes and meet somebody instead of just hustling out. I mean, sometimes we got to go when things have to happen, but it's being intentional, and if each one of us takes that on and just makes a connection here, makes a connection here, we get stronger and stronger together. And then last week we took some time, we talked about the spiritual gift of tongues and the power of praying daily in the Spirit. And if you missed that, I really want to encourage you because I feel like even that and then tying into some things today, God is, God is giving us some marching orders. He's giving us some tools even for how we can go forward. And so today I want to take some time, and I want to talk to you, uh, I, I don't know, I, a lot of times I don't really title my messages fully, but I want to talk to you about living an upper room lifestyle. Everybody say an upper room lifestyle. Let me explain what I mean with this. We have had an amazing fall. 
God has done some really amazing things. I mean, there's <laughs> hasn't been perfect. There's still been battles and challenges. But I am personally so thankful that we were able to hear from God and to shift the things we shifted this fall because there's been great fruit. I've heard so many stories from different people talk about what God's been doing in their life. I've just watched what God's done in my life. I've watched what God's done in our church. And so I'm very thankful. But as we're coming to a close, there's a couple things that, that I really am focused on. Number one, I'm asking the question, I'm saying, how do we build on this? I'm saying for myself, how do I build on this? How do we, how do we like be thankful for what God's done? Obviously, live in the moment and continue, because we're not done yet. Next weekend's going to be powerful, and we're going to have amazing time. But also, there's always part of my mind that's going to, how do I build on this? How do I make sure this is not just, oh, that was nice. Remember back in the fall of 2023 when we did this, and wasn't that so good? How do we build on it? The second thing is there's a danger that I want to make sure we guard against, and that danger is goes something like this. It says, oh, wow, wasn't that great? Now we can go back to normal, <laughs> right? Let's just go back to normal. You know, it's a little bit like, and I know nobody in here, of course, does this. I might be guilty of it a little bit. You get like a, a healthy eating exercise routine, and you're like, I'm going to do this. You know, Paul, you know what I'm talking about, right? Paul, Paul helps coach people in these things. So if you struggle with this, you can talk to guys like Paul. But, you know, I, I'm doing it, and I'm there, and then I reach the end of the point, I'm like, oh, thank God that's over. Let me go back to Popeye's, you know, or let me, thank God that's done, you know. Oh, you know, praise the Lord. That was awful. You know, let's just go back. And what happens pretty quickly, everything you gain just kind of disappears, right? Because it's, it's learning to walk it out and learning to live it out. Well, I want to make sure we don't go, well, wasn't that great? Okay, let's go back to normal. But that we actually step into a new normal. Everybody say new normal. And, and so I want to take some time today because as I was seeking the Lord, my heart almost started to turn that way. And I, I wanted to talk about what are some things we can do to make sure this is not like, oh, wasn't that great? And let's go back to normal. But there's some new normals. There's some new normals in our lives. There's some new normals in our church. And, uh, and, and really, where, when I came down to it, I mean, it's going to be a very practical message today, but it, to me, it really comes down to discipleship. It comes down to what am I doing on a daily basis? What am I doing on a weekly basis to continue to grow and sustain what God's doing? In some levels, guys, it's not rocket science. It's not always easy, but in some levels, it's simple. We're experiencing what we're experiencing right now because there have been some disciplines that many of us have adopted over this season. There have been some disciplines of gathering to seek God. There's been disciplines of many of you getting up at you know, 5 a.m. on a Wednesday morning so you can get here for 6 a.m. And some mornings you get up going, why am I doing this? And this is like, what's what? But there's, there's these disciplines. It's the things that we you know, so often we, we, we love, like, I, I mean, I love like worship today and you can just feel the presence of God and I love worshiping with family and, you know, I, I was laughing. I was like, I just love our church because, you know, we hit this one moment of praise and I look over and our sound guy's up here dancing at the front. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, aren't you supposed to be in the sound booth? <laughs> Right, but he just, he had a moment with God. Then he, then he got back to the sound booth. Now, then I see one of our ushers up here dancing too, and I'm like, right, and, and, and well, I don't mind, as long as don't stay too long, get back to your post, you know, but it's like there's this element of, of just like this, this passion for God. But, but can I tell you guys, spiritual growth, if you base it on your emotions and your feelings, you're always going to struggle. 
Right? Jesus is looking for disciples, not fans. And, and a big part of discipleship is disciplines. It's the things that are the right to do. Some days you feel like it, some days you don't. Some days you really don't feel like it, but you know it's the right thing to do. You're honoring him, and as you do that, you keep growing. Right? We've, we've got to get off this roller coaster of my emotions, and, and it's great. And I love it as a church that like, God's not against emotion. God created emotion. Uh, the mo- emotions are an incredible gift from God, so they're healthy, they're amazing. We want to embrace and walk in that, but they can't be your foundation for your spiritual walk. It's got to be the disciplines and following him. So, so what are some things that, that we can build in? Because if you keep doing the right things, you keep, get, you keep sowing seeds, you get fruit, right? You get, you get a harvest. You keep doing what you need to do, you're gonna, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he reaps. So often, it, and this is what catches a lot of this, is what am I sowing on a regular basis? Because I'm going to have a harvest of what I'm sowing. But here's an important key. I remember when I heard this. It changed my perspective in a real key. It's always stuck with me. Today, you are living off the harvest of the seed you sowed yesterday. Tomorrow, you are going to be living off the harvest of the seeds you sow today. You always need to remember that because if you don't like the harvest you've got right now, just change the seeds you're sowing and you're ultimately going to get a different harvest. It's not like it's just magic or it's just, well, God's just in control of this. No, there's this seed that you're sowing. If you're sowing to the things of the Spirit, you reap life. If you sow to the flesh, you are going to reap corruption. But what happens a lot of times is we don't like what we're having to harvest, so we get depressed, we get down, we're just are struggling. It's like, no, just start sowing different seed. And then God is not mocked. You will reap it. Now, the key is you might not reap it like literally, I'm saying tomorrow is an example. You may not reap it literally tomorrow. But what do you need to do? Don't stop. Keep sowing the right seed. Do you guys understand what I'm saying with that? So what are some things we can sow? And just discipleship, disciplines. Um, Pastor Sharon reminded me, I can't remember if it was today or yesterday or some point this week, there was a, a strong word that went around 2023, which talked about being the year of Psalm 23. Now, some of you had saw that or heard about that, but 2023 is going to be a year of Psalm 23, and there are many prophetic significant things. And now there's some things happening, and it is somewhat convenient, but I, I, I do think it's the Lord that in 2024, it's about Psalm 24, and it's about God for us. So I want to take some time today to Psalm 24, and I want to talk about just some of these practical things. How do we build on this? How do we keep going forward? What are some of these disciplines in our lives? Let's go to Psalm 24. We're going to read from the ESV. It says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he is founded upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive the blessing from the Lord and the righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of God of Jacob. Selah. Verse 7. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates. Lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Selah. I want to talk to you. I just want to pull a couple things from this psalm today that I believe are so key 
And I believe these are real. But if, if, we will, if we will hear this, if we will embrace this today, I believe that there's some real amazing fruit we're going to see in our lives. There's some things that God is going to really continue. Just we're going to be able to continue and go forth with what God's doing. First thing I want to talk to you about is I want to talk to you about verse 3 where it says, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord and who may stand in the holy place? And I want to ask you today, how is your daily devotional life? I want you to ask your neighbor right now. You don't have to answer them, but I want you to ask them, how's your daily devotional life? Because this verse talks about ascending the hill of the Lord. Wow, you know, some of you are having conversations here. Like, it was just, it was just ask them a question. I, I'm just hearing the rumblings going on. And so, like, well, Pastor said to connect with each other. So, you know, it's just like, I don't mean to ask them all that, all right? So, I just played around. Who may send it? It's interesting. This picture of ascending the hill of the Lord and ascending, this is a picture where the Bible talks about the hill of the Lord is often representative of the presence of God. You see so often, uh, David, uh, excuse me, uh, Abraham, when he went to offer his son, that was he went up the mountain. Uh, Moses went up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. There's this element. Elijah went to the mountain where he met with God. Mount Carmel was where the fire fell. There's this picture of, you know, the mountain is this element. And we've been talking about this meeting with God. But I want to talk to you because I think it's so important. Again, we, we sometimes... We, we miss out on the practicalities of being a disciple of Jesus that are going to help us grow. And here's the foundation I want to talk about. Do you have a daily appointment to meet with Jesus? Do you have a daily time to meet with God? Because this is absolutely vital. I said this to our first service crowd. Say, if, if you take nothing else from this message, well, I hope you will take more. But if you take nothing else... If you come out of here today with a fresh commitment that I'm going to have a daily appointment with Jesus, I'm going to spend time with God every day, it will transform your life. So as we talk about who may ascend the hill of the Lord, what we've been experiencing this fall has been because we've been seeking God. Well, what if we said, hey, I'm not just going to do it on a Friday and a Wednesday and a Sunday. I'm going to do it every day. I'm going to have an appointment with him every day. See, my heart is that every, well, really every believer every member of Toronto City Church, that you'd have daily time with Jesus. That you'd have daily appointment with him. And guys, I want to encourage you in this. That you'd set it as the most important appointment of your day. I'll date myself a little bit, but I remember when I first, uh, you know, 18, 19, 20, this is back pre-smartphones and everything. Anybody, Anybody here used to have like one of those paper day timers? I mean, I know some people maybe still have paper and stuff. I remember my dad got me into it, and you'd kind of get these, you know, you got your thing, and it's got your wallet, and it's got your schedule, and it's got your, your telephone book, you know, back when we had to do all this on paper. You know, then smartphones came along, and, and I don't know whether you use Google Calendar or if you use iCal or use some other planning software. Maybe some of you just don't do it, and you keep it all up here, and that makes me worried for you. But anyways, you know, or just maybe you don't got a lot going on in your life. But, but whatever way we schedule, whatever way we set up appointments, you need to have one with Jesus. You need to have a daily appointment with God, and it needs to be your most important appointment of your day. This appointment will set the tone for everything else. And if you will keep this appointment consistently, it will transform your life. Now guys, please hear me. It's simple, but I've watched over the years. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in people's lives that I've pastored. The enemy 
is terrified of you spending regular time with God. And he will do whatever he can to keep you out of a place of discipline and consistency of your time in the presence of God. Discipline and consistency of the time of the word of God. And you know what I found? The biggest enemy for many of us is not like sin and wickedness. It's, it's actually busyness. It's, it's that snooze button. Right? It's, it's just all that goes on in life. It's quite often the enemy is not, not the wicked things. It's the good things or the everyday life things, but that stop us from the God things. Do you have this daily appointment with Jesus? Do you have this time with God? Do you prioritize it? You know, I, I, was, I was just analyzing my life because whenever I preach the word, I make sure I you know, preach it through me. I want to be living it out. And, you know, I, I was even looking, I was looking at myself because it can be so easy. You know, we've had just such a full fall and there's been so much happening church-wise and we moved into a new house and, you know, there's all these things that have come up and all these things that are going on and it's so easy. You, you, you don't love Jesus. It's not that you're never there, but are you prioritizing your appointment with him? Are you, are you setting aside the time? Are you, are you making it? Because there's something about in this coming season, guys, we've been, we've been seeking God publicly, and we will continue to seek God publicly, but God is looking for those who will seek him privately, who will continue to seek him in the secret place and continue to prioritize that time with him. And it's not glamorous. Nobody sees. Nobody knows. You're not going to have, you know, all the worship team there and the music flowing. And I mean, nowadays it's better than ever. You can go on YouTube and just get some of the best worship from around. I mean, you can do that. But but it's about you setting aside that time with Him. And a lot of times you're not going to feel like it. It's not going to feel like anything's happening. But God's looking for those who will seek Him, who will seek His face. And not just in a public context, but every day in that private context we'll seek him. Now what does this appointment or this time consist of? Now again, everyone is different. And there's different seasons where you can relate to God. But there's two elements that you always need to have in your time with God. Number one is time in the word. Everybody say time in the word. See, John 1 verse 1 and then 14 says this, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we've seen His glory. Glory is the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. See, if you want to spend time with Jesus, spend time with the Word. The Word is not just a nice book. It's not just a collection of poems and prophecies and teachings and stories. The Bible tells us that literally there's something supernatural about the Bible. And it's actually the Word made flesh who came and dwelt among us. And when you are in the Word, you are literally spending time with Jesus. You are spending time with Him. And it's amazing so often. And we've got to really be cautious about this. I find especially younger generations. I find some of the, even the older saints and more mature saints in church, many times they get this more than sometimes, and I'll put myself with the younger generation right now, we get this, but there's this hunger and this need for the Word of God. Like the Word of God is foundational. We should be reading our Bible every day. We should be in the Word every day because that's how we're spending time with Jesus. The Word does so much in us. It grounds us. It strengthens us. It feeds us. It fills us. It fuels us. But I don't have stats right now, but it's pretty scary when you get some stats from some of these Christian stat organizations, how little the average Christian actually reads their Bible. May it not be so in this place, but may we be people who say, I'm going to be in the Word every day. 
Not just on a Sunday. Not just on you know, when it's convenient, but you actually build a discipline of being in the word every day. Somebody say every day. Matthew 4 verse 4 says this, but he answered, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, this hit me in a fresh way today. Are you as serious about reading your Bible as you are about eating? Who in here goes like three days? Oh, man, I haven't eaten for the last three days. Wow. Right? Man, you go to bed. Oh, wow, I just, I didn't even eat today. What do you know? Right? Now, obviously, we've got hunger pangs that help us with that. And I'm not preaching against eating. It's good. But, but what if we're as serious about our spiritual intake as we are about our physical food? Parents, what if we were as serious about reading the scriptures to our children as we were about making sure they have breakfast? Right? You don't want them going to school saying, I didn't get any food today. My parents don't feed me. <laughs> now, I know sometimes, you know, our children, they say things that aren't true. <laughs> it was funny. I, I actually, my wife sent me a meme yesterday or the day before uh, where it said, every family has secrets until there's preschool prayer request time. Because <laughs> we used to ask people who come in, especially when Shiloh was younger, especially old Shiloh, because Shiloh loves to pray. So a teacher would come up and say, oh, I hear you're traveling here. Oh, I hear this happened, that happened, everything else. We're like, how is our life out in the streets? <laughs> I realized, oh, right, it's prayer time at school, right? So I was just, pray for my mom, she's here, or pray for my dad, she's here, and, or he's here, and, you know, all that kind of stuff that comes together. But, but, I mean, like, seriously, how serious are we about the word? Do we treat it like daily bread? Because if we do... I mean, and we were talking about this last week. If you don't eat for a week, you're weak. Right? If you don't eat for a week, you can't think well. If you don't eat for a week, you can't, you can't run. You definitely can't. You, you faint easily. Right? There's, there's some real problems you don't eat for a week. But then we don't eat the word for a week, and we wonder why spiritually we struggle so much. Right? We, we're too often, and as, as spirit-filled believers, we can be especially guilty of this. We can get addicted to emotion and addicted to kind of, oh, yeah, we're just worshiping and dancing and praying. And, and I'm not against any of those things. The Bible tells us to rejoice. The Bible tells us, you know, to do all those things. But, but where's the foundation of the word? Where's the foundation of that daily appointment with God? That's not glamorous. Oftentimes you don't feel anything, but you're there, and you're with him, and you're spending time in the word, and you're growing. Guys, this is where the rubber meets the road. And if we will do this in all of it, you just go throughout the room, you've got people filled in this place who are getting that daily time with Jesus, it transforms everything. Psalm 119, 105, and I'll pick up my pace a little bit here, says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Too many of us are wandering in the dark because we don't read the Bible enough. And, and here's what happens. When you read the Word, not does it give you direction, but I understand there's a lot of things in your life the Bible doesn't tell you, thou shalt buy this house, or thou shalt not date this guy. or you know It doesn't say those kind of things. But when you're in the Word, it puts you in a better place to hear what God is speaking to you even in other capacities. Stop wandering in the dark. Get, get, the, get the light on. Some of you are, I'm just having a hard time knowing what God wants me to do. It's because we're never reading our Bible. 
When we do that, it unlocks us hearing and us seeing and direction. Somebody say get in the word. The second key ingredient is going to be our time in prayer. Uh, we, 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 we will jump back to this back and forth, but prayer life, guys. Like, we, you've got to move past Christianity light, where it's just, let me show up at church, try not to sin, and let somebody else do all the heavy lifting for me. It's amazing you had a praying mom. It's amazing you had a praying dad. But at some point, you've got to start praying yourself, too. Right? You can't just live off somebody else's prayers and somebody else's passion and somebody else's hunger for the word. That is good, and that's part of God's progression that it does it. But there's a point where you say, you know what? I'm grown. It's time for me to feed myself. It's time for me to do some of my own praying. It's time for me to get up in the morning, spend time with God, be disciplined, do what I have to do. Praise God. Good preaching, Pastor. All right. I know, I know I'm hitting. I know I'm hitting. But, but this is just what we need to do, guys. This is what we need to do. It's a call to discipleship. It's a call to being in the word. It's a call to say, it's a call to prayer. Luke 22, 39, Jesus left the upper room. I don't think I referenced this properly for the guys. It's actually the passion. But said Jesus left the upper room with his disciples, and as was his habit. He went to the Mount of Olives, his place of secret prayer. See, Jesus had a place of secret prayer. I mean, if there's anybody who could get away without praying, it would have been Jesus. I mean, even the fact he prepared for ministry for 30 years. I mean, my man was 12 years old, schooling all the religious leaders in the scriptures. He still didn't start ministry until he was 30. He prepared. He dug deep. And, and, but he continued that when he was in ministry. It's interesting. If you notice uh, Luke 11, verse 1, it said, now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, isn't it interesting, of all the things they asked Jesus to teach them to do, I mean, Jesus, teach us to preach. He's the greatest preacher that ever lived. Jesus, teach us to teach. Greatest teacher that ever lived. Jesus, you tell amazing parables. How do you do that? Teach us how to tell parables. Jesus, teach us how to multiply loaves and fishes. I mean, that would be great. Right? Jesus, teach us how to work miracles. Of all of that, they said, teach us to pray. Why? Here's my thought. My thought is they understood the power source. And they understood that everything else he did, he prayed so much, he prayed so consistently, they'd wake up in the night, oh, Jesus is gone, where'd Jesus go? Oh, Jesus is off praying again. Early morning, where's Jesus? Jesus is off praying again. They understood that everything flowed from the secret place of prayer that he had. And so they said, yeah, we want to walk with you. We want to follow you. We recognize the importance of prayer, so teach us to pray. This also gives hope, because a lot of us struggle with prayer. And we just feel like I'm not very good at it. It's hard. I don't know. But in the same way, you can, te- you can pray and you can say, Jesus, teach me how to pray. How many people would join me in saying, Lord, teach us to pray? Right? Even if you know how to pray, there's still more. There's still more for us to grow in. So we see that Ephesians 6, 18 says this, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So, so here, here's what I'm after with this point. Set that daily appointment with Jesus. Start tomorrow. Put it in your calendar. Rearrange some things if you need to rearrange some things. And then here's what you do. Because I know some of us, some of us, you do this, and, and some of you are going strong, so keep going strong. 
Some of you have had this in your life, but I actually feel like there's a lot of us that have started to let it slip. And today the Lord is saying to us, pick it up. He's saying, I got a lot for you. There's a lot I've called you to. Pick it up. But also some of you, this is a brand new concept to you. And you're going, wow, I didn't even know about this. Right? Or I thought pastors were only supposed to do this or whatever else. What are some practical things you do? Here's really three key things you can start with to set an appointment with Jesus. Number one, have a time. Everybody say, have a time. Now, it can be a different time for different people. But if you, you're going to be far more successful if you have a consistent time that you block off to be with Jesus. Or you can kind of, if life's really crazy, you know, sometimes you sit at the start of your week, you plan out your week on this day, this here, this here, this kid's got basketball here, swimming here. You know, you figure it out. Set a time to be with Jesus. If you just kind of go, well, I'll just get to it when the Spirit leads me, you're not going to succeed very much. You need to set a time. Everybody say set a time. Some of you, that means you need to set your alarm 30 minutes earlier in the morning, right? And you need to rebuke that snooze button in Jesus' name, right? And you need to say, hey, that's my time. For some of you, it might be your lunch break at work, and you just go, you know, instead of sitting there scrolling on Instagram, it's not doing any good for me anyways, let me get my Bible, let me find a place where I can spend some time with Jesus. Maybe for some of us, it's in the night, and you got, you find your time, but get that time and set aside that time for Jesus, Secondly, not only have a time, but find a place. Everybody say, have a place. You will be far more successful. Again, it doesn't always have to be the exact same place. It's like, no, this is not my place. I can't spend time with God. But find your place. It might be your comfy chair. Just if it's early, watch out for comfy chairs. That can get dangerous. Right? Or it might be, you know what? I go for a walk, and I just have a walk with Jesus. Again, in the middle of the winter, it can be a little challenging. But, you know, you have that walk with Jesus. Whatever it is, make sure you have that place. And, guys, listen. In different, here's, here's what some of you in here, this is going to help you. When life changes, that's sometimes when we fall off the cart. We have good. So, so for example, like having children, oh, you were so on fire, disciplined for God, then you had a baby. And you're just like, when am I praying? I'm trying to sleep. I'm just trying to find time to have a shower, you know, or whatever else. But you find a way to do it. I remember I figured it out because I realized when we had a baby, and, you know, like when we had Micah and then we had Shiloh, I can't say to my wife, hey, I'm just going to go pray for an hour. And she'll look at me saying, I've had the baby all day, so no, you need to take the baby. So you know what I did? I got the stroller. And we started doing prayer walks. Me, Micah, and Jesus. Jesus in the stroller, me pushing this. I had to change, but I had to find my way. So you have your time, you have your place, and the last but not least, you have your plan. Everybody say, have your plan. Now, there's not like one plan that fits all. You've got to find what works for you. But I do something like I do a Bible reading plan in you version, so it helps me read systematically through the scriptures. You can take some time to pray. You can take some time to worship. And some people are like, oh, man, listen. And here's the key. Don't worry about starting with like this massive amount of time. I remember one guy I was discipling. He said, I'm tithing my time to God 2.5 hours a day. So I'm like, wow, okay, that's great. So I checked him. How's it going? Well, not really good. He's like, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing it well. I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, are you still getting some time? He's like, no. If I can't get 2.5 hours, I'm just not doing it at all. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. But I realized the point. And he had a good heart, but he felt like, oh, it doesn't count. But I said, listen, 15 minutes is better than no minutes. And, and here's another thing I'll say. It's better to do 15 minutes a day than to do two hours once a week. Right? And so don't, just, just make sure you get started. And so here's the way, 15 minutes. Take some time. Read a chapter of the Bible. And when you read, don't do this. 
On your mark, get set, go. In the beginning was the word, and the word was the God, and the word, you know what I mean? Like, actually take time and read it and think about it. That's going to take, I mean, a chapter, let's say you five minutes reading a chapter, then just take five minutes to pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you. I find a way. We talk about praying in the spirit, right? Get that prayer language, pray in the spirit. Take five minutes to just wait quietly before the Lord. All right, you're 15 minutes already. It, it's, it's not, the devil wants you to think it's hard. It's not hard. You were actually wired for this. You were built for this. But what do you need? You need a time. You need a place. And you need a plan. And family, I just want to encourage you with this. God, I feel like this so strongly from the Lord. Even as we come out of this season, he said, I'm looking for those who will seek me in private on a daily basis. I'm looking for those who will seek me in the secret place. Because when you're in the secret place, that's where God starts to reveal secrets to you. And he says, I can trust you with what I want to do publicly when I can trust you to spend time with me privately. Let's look at Exodus 33, 7 to 11. It says, now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out the tent of meeting, which is outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he'd gone into the tent. And when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. That was the manifestation of the presence of God. And the Lord would speak to Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud stand at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as the man speaks to his friend. And when Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant and Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. Guys, I really feel this so strong. There's many Joshuas in this place. See, but at this point, Joshua hadn't marched around Jericho yet. Joshua hadn't led the children of Israel across the Jordan River. Joshua hadn't led them against Ai. Joshua, he had not yet stood up and told the sun and moon to stand still. God knew what was coming in his future. Joshua probably had no idea what was coming in his future, but he committed to be a young man who would stay in the tent and who would prioritize time with God. And I want to encourage you today because there's many Joshuas in this place and there's some great things that God wants to do through your life, but you can't wait until that season to become committed the time in the presence in the word of God. You've got to do it now so that the wells are deep so you are ready for the opportunities that are going to come. And even that, it's not just about what you're going to do for God, but it's about what he wants to release your life. But who will be the Joshuas who will stay in the tents? Who will be the Joshuas who will take daily time with God, not just to get something, but because he's worth it and because he's worthy and because he's wonderful and because you say, I'm going to be with him and it's going to be my number one priority. Come on, somebody say stay in the tent. Come on, say it again. Stay in the tent. Guys, there's some big things coming. But see, you, you march around Jericho. You have the confidence to hear and do that because you spent time in the tent. Right? You have the authority to tell the sun and moon to stand still because you spent time in the tent. Right? You have the opportunity. You can handle the assignment where all of a sudden God says, hey, Moses is dead. You, Joshua, now rise up. You're ready. You're not like, oh, my gosh, i got to get ready. No, you're already in the tent, and you're already preparing yourself for what God had for you. Somebody say, stay in the tent. So that's number one. We need to be people who stay in the tent. Let me just quickly talk to you guys about number two for a second here. Number two is simply this. Where's your holiness at today? Where is our holiness at? Because this verse says, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. 
Now, obviously, we are New Testament believers, and we understand that it's not our works that gain us access, but it's the work of Jesus. But that does not negate the power and the importance of holiness in our lives. And if we want to walk in what God has for us, if we want to build on what God's been doing this season, and even we look at the words that have been spoken over us about a radical holiness, God is calling us to a new place of holiness. And there's, there's some different people in the place today. There's some people that you've been pursuing God and you've been walking with the degree of holiness. I want to encourage you, go even stronger in this season. There's some of us in here too that we've allowed compromise to start to creep into our lives. We've allowed the little foxes to come in and spoil the vine. And God's saying to us now, he's saying, listen, some big things are coming, some good things are coming, but you need to get your house in order. Because I don't want you to disqualify yourself from what I want to do because of the compromise you're allowing in your life right now. And then guys, with, like from the bottom of my heart, there's some of us in here right now, and you are playing games. And you need to stop. Don't, don't, don't play Jesus on Sunday and then the world the rest of the week. It just hurts you. It just hurts you from doing what God's called you to do. And God's heart for you today is he's saying, listen, come wholeheartedly. What does holiness mean? Holiness means this. It means to be set apart from sin unto God. Now the key I really want you to catch with this is a lot of times we hear holiness and we hear from sin. Right? It's just what I don't do. And it was interesting because there was a whole, I mean, you can see this kind of historically. As the church, we tend to swing like a pendulum. It's just the nature of us. I, I, we're all like this. So, so there was this recognition of holiness, and so they went to whole, and there was this whole holiness movement, but it got so legalistic. And instead of it being about the heart before God, it became very much of this outward, can't wear this, can't do this, can't do that. I mean, it got kind of crazy in some levels. Some people were saying it was unholy to wear deodorant. I think it's unholy not to wear deodorant, right? But, you know, but it was like, and, and the sad thing too was most of the rules were towards women, right? It's like, here's the list of rules for men. One, two, three. Here's the list for women. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Can't wear pants. Can't wear makeup. Can't do this. Can't do that. I mean, it became so much out. So, but here's what happened. A lot of people thought, well, this isn't working. This isn't right. So they said, well, we don't want this anymore. So they just marched across to the whole other side and it just became lawless, Jesus loves me. I have the Father's love. I have grace. So I just do whatever I want to do. And guys, that's not right either. It's not about legalism, but it's not about lawlessness. People have been like, well, you know, God will forgive me. Yeah, but why are you still doing it? <laughs> like, God will forgive you. You're still messing yourself up. You're messing other people up. You're missing out on things God has for you. You're opening the door to the devil. So yeah, God will forgive you. But, but why? Like, it's like Paul said, this should not be. Right? See, really in the essence of holiness, I love this. One definition said this. It's total devotion to God. Can I ask us today, are we devoted to God totally? Are you, where, where's, where's our devotion level for God? Because too often we've fallen into the trap of, okay, God, well, you can have this. You know, it's kind of like our house. Jesus, yes, you can have the living room. Jesus, have the kitchen. Oh, yes, Jesus, have the family room. Upstairs, well, Jesus, stay out of my bedroom. And, and don't go in the basement, Jesus. 
It's like, we're, are we wholly devoted? Is he in every part of our life? Is every part of our life totally committed to him? Because I believe in this season, guys, God's looking for those who will send the hill of the Lord, who will stand in his holy place, who have clean hands and a pure heart. Yes, we receive that by the blood of Jesus, but then we live it out. Grace was not meant to be a cover-up to allow you to continue to sin. Grace is an empowerment to cause you to overcome and conquer sin. That's what the grace of God is. So let me read you a few verses. Hebrews 12, 13. Strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of the Lord. 1 Peter 1, 15 to 16. But as he has called you as holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 7. For God has not called us to impurity, but in holiness. Romans 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Guys, God's calling us to a new place of holiness. God's calling you to a new place of holiness. And part of our prayer, and this is why when you're spending time with him daily, because it's interesting, it's the Holy Spirit who empowers you to holiness. But when you're in the word, when you're in prayer, there's an empowerment that comes. But guys, let me just say this, and then we'll go back and get keys back here. Holiness matters. Let me just talk to you three reasons why holiness really matters. Number one, holiness matters because it keeps you in a right relationship with God. When we embrace sin, and again, please hear me today. It's very important when we have this conversation. There is a difference between what all of us do, which is I struggle, I fall down sometimes, but I get back up, I repent, I keep pursuing God. That's very different than I willfully have sin in my life that I'm really not interested in dealing with, and I'm either creating theological you know, gar- you know, junk for why it's okay, or I'm just pretending it's not really there. Do you guys understand the difference? And, and it's like when we live there, it... it, it It damages our relationship with God. It grieves the Holy Spirit. You might be able to fool everybody in this place, but you're not fooling the Holy Spirit. And it actually, it's interesting. It didn't say it makes him mad. It said it grieves him. It makes him sad. It wounds him. It breaks down relationships. Yeah, does God still love you? Of course he still loves you. Can you forgive? Yeah, but it still breaks relationship. Number two, holiness matters because it keeps you in a place of protection. One of the biblical concepts talks about when you walk with God, there's a hedge of protection that God puts around you. He entrusts his angels to guard you and watch you keep you. It talks about even in Job, it talks about this hedge of protection that's around you. And that protects you. You can have confidence. It protects your children. It protects you. And, 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 and you can, you know, and obviously prayer, there's, there's a whole lot of theological understanding around this, but there's protection. When we willfully choose to live in sin, God doesn't remove his protection. We step outside of it. We open the door to the enemy to steal, to kill, and to destroy. 
So it's like I choose to enter into sin. I step out of the protection and favor of God on my life. Then all these things start hitting me. Things start going wrong. God, why are you letting this happen to me? God's not letting it happen to you. He actually has a place of protection for you. But because of willful sin, you're inviting the enemy in. That's why holiness is so important, guys. It's not worth it. It's not worth it, especially in the day and age we're living in. It's not worth it. And I can imagine the father heart of God, because I can imagine me as a father, if I had a place of protection for my kids and I knew there was an enemy who wanted to take them out, and then they were rejecting me and stepping out of that place right now, I would be saying, come back into protection. Come back under my covering. Why are you falling into that deception? Please come home. I'm not angry. I'm almost desperate to get you back into protection. And can I say this too, guys? When we give willful place to sin, it does not only affect us, but it affects all those that God's entrusted to us. Give you an example. If I say, I, you know what? If I, let's say I, I, I mean, I'll just use kind of just general male example. But I say, okay, you know, I've just with porn. It's not that big of a deal. It doesn't matter. It's my private life. I, I'm still, I'm good. And I, I'm opening my door, the door to the enemy. But now I'm going to open the door for myself. But I got, a, I got a 15-year-old son that the enemy wants to take out. I got a 12-year-old daughter that the enemy wants to take out. And whereas a father, I'm supposed to provide a covering and a protection over them. I'm providing spiritual. You want to get to them, devil? You got to go through me. You want to get to my wife? You've got to go through me. That's part of being a spiritual leader, and that's part of providing a covering for my household. I will pray for them. I will sacrifice for them. I, you got to go through me. You come after them. You come after me. But what happens if I'm sleeping with the enemy myself? What happens if I, oh, yeah, go through? Oh, by the way, here's the back door. You let the snake in your house? Don't be surprised when there's a snake in your house. But here's the problem. That snake goes after everybody in the house. And that snake goes after the weak and the vulnerable in your house. It's so important, guys. And I'm talking to somebody today. But this is not just about you. This is about your legacy. This is about the generations that come after you. And I know it's not easy. I know it's hard and it's difficult. But it is worth it for you to say, God, I want holiness in my life. God, I want to live right. I do not want to have secret sin. I want to have a secret place where I spend time with you. Notice all of this is about the secret place. Jesus said what you do in secret will be shuttered from the housetops. Are you going to have the secret place with God or are you going to have secret sin where the enemy's running havoc in your life? And last but not least, holiness matters because it protects the anointing on your life. What's the anointing? The anointing is God's power for you to do what you were called to do. And when you guard when you guard your relationship, when you walk in holiness, there's a purity of an anointing that's in your life. But when you compromise, the anointing becomes compromised. Oh, it, it, it still will function in some ways. You can still flow in your gift, but it, but it starts to become compromised. And if it keeps going on and going on and going, you guys get what I'm saying today? Like I know this is sobering, but this is real. 
This is where God's calling us to a fresh place of holiness. James 1.22 says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Family, I want to encourage you. God is looking for those in this place today who will prioritize the secret place like we have before and that we would not see how close we can get to the line without going over, but we will see how close we can get to loving Jesus and living and following him. And I want to encourage you today, just as I bring this to a close, James 1.22, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Sometimes people will hear this, go, oh, no, I'm good. I, I feel like I'm fine. I still worship. I still feel the presence of God. I remember I was discipling a guy in a certain season. He was really just participating. I said, bro, stop it. What are you doing? He's like, no, no, I, I don't feel like God has a problem with this. And I'd be like, yeah, but the word says, yeah, but I just don't feel conviction in my heart. See, here's what happens. If you, the Holy Spirit will convict you if you reject his conviction and you keep doing what you're going to do, the next time you won't hear him as loudly. You reject him again, his voice gets quieter. The Bible calls it a hardness of heart. And your heart gets hard and you go to the place where you think you're good. Because remember, when you're deceived, no one walks around going, hi, I'm deceived. Everybody thinks they're good when they're not. That's deception. See, the heart is humbling ourselves. Going back to Lord, say, Lord, show me. Is there any area where my heart has become hard? Show me, is there anything? And then you don't get under condemnation. This is not about condemnation. The Holy Spirit does not condemn. He just convicts. And when he convicts, it pushes you back to Jesus. As you recognize, oh man, you don't, you don't play games with sin. You don't make excuses for sin. You don't call it a weakness or call it this. I mean, one of the things my dad taught me, he said, listen, when you deal, when you find sin in your life, don't make it easy on yourself. Face it head on. Deal with what you need to deal with. If you need to repent, repent, but don't try and make it easy. Deal with what you need to deal with in your life. Get right before God and then move forward. But then remember 1 John 1 verse 9, which says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. God is just looking for hearts of humility that will be honest with him and say, this is what's going on in my life. Lord, I need your help. I need your righteousness. I need your grace, but I'm not playing games with this anymore. I want to walk holy, devoted, and committed to you. How many people would join me in wanting to have that heart? Holy, devoted. But it's amazing because these two things, we're going to stop here. These two things walk together. The more you get regular time with God, the more holiness. It's not about, it's not about, um, Oh, I keep, the phrase keeps escaping me. I had it. It's about internal transformation, not behavior modification. God's not into behavior modification. He's into internal transformation. Where does that come? From being in the word, being in prayer, being before God. He changes you. And then it brings you to places of repentance. And so I just want to close today. And let's just bow our head and close our eyes. And Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name, God, that each one of us will hear what you are saying to us today. God, thank you for this great time we've had together. But even as we finish on maybe a little more of a sober and a convicting note today, Father, Lord, I pray that we will say yes to you. God, we will say yes to that daily appointment with you where we're in the word and we're in prayer. And God, we will say yes to holiness in our lives. God, we will say yes to not seeing how close we can get to the line without sinning, but we will see how close we can get to you and how close we can get into your presence. And Father, I pray, and especially those maybe felt conviction today because there's some battles, there's some areas of sin. God, that they will not feel condemnation, but they will have a determination that I'm going to get this right before God. Lord, and they'll know they're in a 
spiritual family where they are not going to be judged, but where they are going to be helped and supported to walk in freedom. But Father, I thank you for this, God, that grace is not going to be a cover-up for sin, but grace is an empowerment to live free from sin. And Lord, we thank you for this in Jesus' name. So here's what I want to ask. It's a real simple response today. Because we could do a big altar call today. It means nothing if it doesn't change the way your Monday looks. It means nothing if it doesn't change the way your Tuesday or So here's your altar call. Your altar call this week is, are you spending time with God every day this week? If you miss a day, don't beat yourself up. Just do it the next day. Like, just get on it. Are we having a fresh commitment to holiness in our lives today with God's help, with the power of the Holy Spirit? And so just with head bowed and eyes closed, if you are here with me, because today I'm saying before God, number one, I'm committing to a new level of my daily commitment to time with him. Number two, I'm asking God to renovate and to show me any area that I need to sharpen up, any little foxes that are spoiling the vine, any area where I've been excusing sin instead of dealing and repenting with sin. I want God to show me in my life so that I can walk as he's called me to. It's like that song we used to sing years ago, purify my heart, let me be as gold and precious silver. Purify my heart, let me be as gold. Refiner's fire, my heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be holy, set apart for you, my master, ready to do your will. And so if your heart is just to say yes to God today, I want you just to raise your hands where you are right now. This is just your way of saying yes. You know what God's talking to you about. You know what God's dealing with you about. So just say yes. Just say yes, and then let's go do it this week. Let's not just be hearers of this word. Let's go and be doers. Amen? Amen, amen. So just again, with the head bowed, eyes closed, before I turn around, I think Pastor Sharon, I think. I also want to give an opportunity, if there's anyone here and you're not right with God. The Bible teaches us that God loves us with everlasting love, but we've been separated from that love by sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We need to turn our back on sin and commit our lives to Jesus. When we do that, he comes, he fills us, he transforms us. He, he just fills up our life. And so just with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if there's anyone, you say, I need to give my life to Jesus today, or I need to give my life back to Jesus. I want you just to wave at me really quick if there's anybody today. Thank you, I see that hand there. Is there anybody else today? Thank you, I see that hand there. Is there anybody else today? Thank you, I see that hand there. That hand there, if there's anybody else today. All right, let's pray this. Thank you. I see that hand there. If there's anybody else. All right, let's pray this prayer together. Let's all pray. But if you obviously raised your hand, I want you just to, you know, just make it from your heart to God. Say, Jesus, thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you rose again. Today I turn my back on sin. I commit my life to you. Forgive me. Fill me free me. I want to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Susan, I'm going to turn the floor over to my wife in a second here, but if you prayed that prayer, or if you you know, you, you didn't raise your hand, but you prayed the prayer with us, we're just going to have uh, an invitation for you to have come meet with some leaders afterwards, just because we want to pray with you and support you a bit, but I'm just going to turn it over here. Awesome. What a great message this morning. Couple, Yeah, let's give them a hand this morning. <laughs>
Awesome. Before we go today, I just want to remind you, uh, leave you with a couple of reminders. If you are visiting us for the first time, we do want to touch base with you. We do have a table in the in the foyer that we want to get to know you and just gift you with something. So if that is you, please take a moment to uh, connect with us in the foyer. Once again, as Pastor Brendan did say, there is, I think, coffee and tea and maybe a little biscuit or something. Maybe not. I'm making no promises. I don't know. Uh, in the foyer. Wanted to remind you this upcoming Friday, we do have altered prayer this Friday at 7.30. This will be our last one for this season of the Upper Room. I want you to mark your calendars. I want you to come. We're going to have a great time together in the presence of the Lord and in fellowship with one another. And then if you are wanting to stay uh, in contact with us, you can sign up for our mailing list. Um, you just have to contact the church office um, or you can, I, I believe you can sign up online just to get more information about the church. Um, and I want to just take a moment to just say thank you once again, every Sunday, we want to just say thank you for your continuous um, commitment and faithfulness in sowing and giving here at Toronto City Church. We are able to do what we do uh, because of the faithfulness of those of you that commit um, to to give faithfully to the Lord and to the house. So thank you for that. I just want to pray for you. If you can do me a favor, let's stand together as we close. Uh, once again, if you want to uh, just want more information about giving. It will be on the screen behind me, but I want to pray for you as we go today. Father, I thank you right now in the name of your son, Jesus, that Father, you are moving in our midst, that you, Father, are speaking to each heart and each life. And Father, I thank you for the season of the upper room. Father, we ask that even as we go today, that Father, you would encounter us in our homes. God, you would encounter our children. Father, that we would encounter you on the streets of Toronto. Father, I speak blessing over each household. Father, I thank you that, I just thank you, number one, for your love. Father, I thank you that, Father, your love for us is the very place to which we spring out of and live and move. And Father, I pray that as we go, Father, I thank you for your protection over each one, your protection over each family. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over our church family members. Father, we thank you for protection over our nation in this hour. Father, where there are many things, wars and rumors of wars, Father, we thank you that you are our rear guard. You go before us and you protect us. And in this, we are confident. So, Father, I, I thank you for this day. I pray that as we go, Father, would you fill our cups to overflowing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have an awesome day. Greet somebody on your way out. For those of you who are in School of the Spirit Level 2, we are starting class here in the sanctuary at 1.45. Uh, just as you're going, the Holy Spirit just prompted some, someone. When I was talking about the hedge... As talking about the open door, at least somebody was worried and saying there's some things you can't control and you're worried what it's opening up over your children. And God just wants you to know you can counteract that in the place of prayer. So just so you know, you can take authority and you can counteract what you need to counteract. So I just felt like somebody needed to hear that today. So just know that you can, with the Holy Spirit's power, you can counteract and you can continue that covering, even if there's some things you can't control about somebody else or what's going on or what's happening. So just be aware of that. If you raised your hand and said you want to give your life to Jesus, we're going to have, going to have a couple leaders just join me off to this side and we're just going to be here to pray with you. So if you want to come forward, but God bless you. Awesome. Have a good rest of your afternoon. School of the Spirit, level 2, 145.